Um, my name is Joshua. I'm one of the staff here. And like Leslie was saying a little bit ago, talking about the prayer Q&A box, we've been in this sermon series about prayer. It's, we're kind of early in it. We've done two sermons so far. And so I don't want to plug what she said as well about listening to these on the podcast. We, don't, we aren't so like full of ourselves. We think our sermons are amazing or anything like that. But I will tell you that like people, so the ones we've done so far, Brad and Leslie, I go back and re-listen to these, not just because I'm up next or something, but because I really feel like, okay, I get a first pass. I kind of hear the things that, that stand out to me and stuff, but I'm not, I don't really leave feeling like I got it all, you know, like every little piece, every little nuance, every little thing. And I know that these sermons, whether it's me doing it or Leslie or Brad or any of our other leaders, they're really thinking about this group of people here and help, trying to help this group of people grow in prayer. And so they're really catered to us, you know. And so that's pretty awesome. So I would just encourage you to go re-listen to sermons that are, are uh, done in our community here and get as much as you can out of them, knowing that people share from the heart and they spend really t- a lot of time doing it. And some of our best sermons come from our leaders who uh, they just volunteer to do that. They have a job that takes their time all week or whatever, and they decide that they want to share what God has put on their heart as well. And so definitely uh, don't miss those. And I'm going to plug some of our sermons from the past later in this sermon. Uh, so you'll be hearing a second reminder about that. So um, we are doing this prayer series, but I want to remind you where we are, kind of why we are doing this. What's the larger sort of meta series that we are doing about apprenticeship to Jesus? Just this idea, this language that we borrowed about being apprentices of Jesus, trying to learn and study under him and become like him, to be with him, to become like him, and to do what Jesus did, to do what he would do if he were here right now among us. Um, and those are our goals. That's been a theme we've kind of had for a while now. And so we have been looking at different aspects of what it looks like to be an apprentice of Jesus and grow in these things. And we know that prayer is one of those things. It's one of the things that Jesus prioritized, that he did, he took time to do. He, um, he really not only taught it, but did it himself. And he said things like, you know, as we're apprenticing under him, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. He promises us, he tells us, we can become like him, you know. We will not become above him, and none of us, I think, are so arrogant that we think that's even possible. But it's great news that we can become like Jesus by following his example and wanting to live our lives like him. And what could be better than becoming like Jesus? What could be better? What's a better example? That's our goal. That's been our theme over the past year and a few months, to be apprentices of Jesus. So I just want to remind you, that's the, the banner, the sort of like umbrella we're under. And as we arrive at prayer, like I said, Jesus prayed. Jesus took time to, to get away and pray. He um, prioritized it. He taught disciples how to pray. It was important enough for him to do that. He valued it immensely. And is there any reason we can think of that we need prayer less than Jesus did? You know, he's ministering. He is God and man, and yet he spends time communing with the Father, talking with him, um, praying with him, and um, I just don't, I don't know, I was thinking about that this week, and like, we just know, I can't think of any reason that we need it less. <laughs> Maybe, you know, like 300 times more. So, um, and are we more capable servants of God on our own without talking to God, you know? Are we just, are we good without that? Um, I just, I don't think so. Um, so I want to pause and just kind of, as we enter this convo today, just I want everyone to pause. Close your eyes if that helps you. Um, just take a breath. And um, this topic of prayer can bring up a bunch of different feelings for us. For some of us, it's like, man, that's boring. I don't want to listen. Um, for some of us, it's like, this is complicated, and I'm kind of stressed out by it. For some of you, maybe you're like just excited about it, and that's great too. But let's just kind of let um, kind of our 
heart and our mind kind of slow down a bit, and let's just ask, Lord, please just speak uh, what you want us to hear today, and um, we just ask you to help us to grow in prayer, grow in both our understanding and our just practice of it, and thank you for being a God who wants to spend time with us, who wants us to pray, who cares about um, communication with us, and we need you. We need you to help us grow, help us to overcome the roadblocks that we have. I just pray for this whole sermon series and all the folks we'll be hearing from that you would just help our community grow in prayer. And, um, and we know that what you can do with that is, is, is really big. Um, small growth, little steps here. You can do really big things out of that. And so we just ask that you would. Thanks for loving us. You're the best. Amen. Amen. Um, my voice is a little bit hoarse, by the way. I lost it on Tuesday and it's slowly been coming back, but I feel fine. Pros, I can do a really good Vecna impression right now from Stranger Things. I won't do it right now, but if you want to hear it, you can do it later. Also, I'm worried if I do it, then my voice will like retract, you know, like backslide. Also, Batman, good Batman impression. So, huge pluses. Um, so, when I was a kid, my grandfather on my mom's side, we called him Papa Bear, uh, which is just a little, yeah, it was pretty cute. The downside is that like, he was a little bit, you know, Papa Bear kind of sounds cute, warm, fuzzy or whatever. He was more like an actual bear where like, you should keep your distance, you know? <laughs> Like, Papa Bear, yikes. Um, he was not, and I'm not saying this, I'm going to tell the story just to kind of like, it'll set up a couple of things. Don't feel sorry for me. I've had, I've been very blessed by people who've loved me. But this specific, specific guy, Papa Bear, was not really interested in me <laughs> for my childhood. Um, I would have really needed to like sports or trucks or golf or know how to build things or fix golf carts. He had a golf cart business. You like all those exactly. Justin knows me so well. That's like my list. I, I would have needed to to have one or all of those things for Papa Bear to be interested in me. That's like, that's, a, that's a, the sad part of this. He was a kind of mean dude, um, and apparently it wasn't just in the old age, apparently he always was. Um, he was racist. He was not very funny, you know? Um, sometimes that can at least be like a little bit of a redeeming factor if someone's mean and racist, but they're a little bit funny. Um, <laughs> but I think for much of my, my life, I really did think about my relationship with God similar to this, okay? similar to this kind of distance. And I'm not saying that my, my grandfather is what caused that, but I have this memory of, like, this is one of the very few memories I have of my grandfather, like, seeking me out and, like, uh, intentionally wanting to spend time with me. But it's not how you might think. He, like, walked into the room. I think my brother and I were playing video games in my grandmother's house. And he goes, and he was an old farmer guy back, back before he was a golf cart guy, whatever. He was like, well, Josh... It just terrified me already. It's like, hey, what, why is he here? What is he about to say? Do you know how to change a tire? And I was like, uh, no, Papa Bear, I don't. And he goes, well, you're fixing to learn. <laughs> and then he just turned and walked toward the garage. And I guess I was like, all right, I guess I'll follow you. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was probably like 12 or 13. So also like not really on the radar. I wasn't like thinking, oh yeah, I'm driving several years from now. <laughs> And I need to know how to change a, a tire right now. So anyway, he takes me into the garage. There's a golf cart there, so apparently it's the same thing. And he proceeds to um, kind of shout directions at me of how to change this tire. And be like, nope, not that one. Not that one. No, the tire iron. Things I hadn't even known how to use before or heard about before. And just, you know, really pleasant way to learn how to change a tire. I'm just so glad he wanted to spend that quality time with me that day, you know, and just really, we really bonded. Um, and, and it was just like this intense, terrifying kind of like looking over your shoulder, knowing that as soon as I do something wrong, he's going to say something. 
and this is not this like fun, teachable kind of like put our hands on something together kind of thing. And this, that, that story has always stuck with me. Just, just like so funny. There's a lot of things that are funny about it now, but at the time I was like terrified. I was like, gosh, just please don't mess this up. Please somehow I don't want to like make this golf cart worse than it already is or whatever. Um, and also, I don't even know if the, I can't remember if the tire like was flat or something was wrong with it. Was he just using me to do that because he didn't want to bend over? Or was it really just like he thought, I'll teach my grandson how to change it? Don't remember that part, you know? And maybe I didn't know enough about tires to know if it was flat or not. Anyway, when people, would, as a kid, when people talk about, I grew up in church, people talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus, with God, I didn't really get what that meant. To me, it didn't seem, didn't feel true, and I didn't really think that deeply about it. In fact, I kind of thought, like, maybe it's just the language people use. This is, like, what the, the kind of wording that they use. God felt distant from me, and I thought that he was uninterested in me, um, and that I had nothing to offer him that could interest him or hold his attention, very much like my relationship with my grandfather. Um, again, I'm not blaming my grandfather for that. I think those, just, those things are connected for me a little bit. Um, and I've really had to work to undo that thinking. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. We'll talk about that today. And how God himself talks about himself and what he wants, kind of, what the kind of relationship he wants with us. Um, but somehow that idea of God's distance and his disinterest was just where I was starting um, as a child. And I really had to work to, to, to change that belief about God at a fundamental way as an adult. Um, and so I think here's, the, here's two kind of roadblocks I think we have when we're talking about prayer. We, and you might have a different, different deal, different specifics, but I think we can think that God is just distant. That is already something that kind of gets in the way of us praying. Because what we think about God affects how we pray before we've even started, right? Does that make sense? It affects whether we even want to pray, you know? Or do we think he's interested? If I'm going to pray, do I think he's even going to be listening? You know, he's interested in what I have to say. What we think about God affects how we pray before we've even started. Second thing I think that affects almost all of us in prayer, and or, it could be the, the distance thing, or this as well, or both. We are too distracted. This affects our, our prayer life before we've even started. We are too distracted. And I'm sorry that like another sermon for like the hundredth time comes back around to this idea that like, our lives are distracted, and it's like this, like, you can't get away from this being part of every sermon, but we'd be stupid not to think that our busy weeks, our crowded minds, our YouTube podcast, TikTok lives don't affect our relationship with God in some way. Um, that that doesn't have any impact at all, I think would be a little bit silly. Um, so there's, there's two quotes that I'm kind of combining here that um, I think talk about this. This is a, a book that we did a a small group about Grant and I back in, who knows how long ago this was, like five years ago, six years ago, this, pr- this book of, uh, about prayer by this guy, and I think he wrote it in the, in the late 60s. Um, he's um, Eastern Orthodox, and, so, um, and he's just kind of old school, so some of his way of writing is like, like very serious, very straightforward, but also kind of like almost humorously bleak, so you'll see what I mean. Um, try an experiment, and you will see you will discover a number of other useful things on the way. Try to find some time to stay alone with yourself. Shut the door and settle down in your room at a moment when you have nothing else to do. Say, I am now with myself, and just sit with yourself. After an amazingly short time, you will most likely feel bored. This teaches us one very useful thing. It gives us insight into the fact that if after 10 minutes of being alone with ourselves, we feel like that, it's no wonder that others should feel equally bored. <laughs> Why is this so? 
It's so because we have so little to offer our own selves as food for thought, for emotion, and for life. If you watch your life carefully, you'll discover quite soon that we hardly ever live from within outwards. Instead, we respond to incitement, to excitement. In other words, we live by reflection and by reaction. Something happens and we respond. Someone speaks and we answer. But when we're left without anything that stimulates us to think, speak, or act, we realize there's very little in us that will prompt us to action in any direction at all. This is really a very dramatic discovery. We're completely empty. We do not act from within ourselves, but accept, accept as our life a life which is actually fed in from the outside. We're used to things happening which compel us to do other things. How seldom can we live simply by means of the depth and the richness we assume that there is within ourselves? Um, and I think this is something that probably most of us have experienced in some way and maybe not been able to put words to it like this long kind of bleak paragraph, but uh, he's onto something. We don't like to spend time sitting quietly in a room by ourselves or talking to God as well. And I think the fact that he wrote this before all of basically like modern technology existed, especially for the average person, is insane. Isn't that crazy? That's like only more true now. Later, he quotes this guy, uh, Theophan the Recluse, which I hope I have some cool title after my name whenever I die, but hopefully it's not the recluse. Um, <laughs> says, most people, most people are like a shaving of wood, which is curled around its central emptiness. Uh, if we're really honest, we must admit that's a very apt description of the state of practically all of us. And I don't mean that to say that there's not a value to us, but I think we know this feeling. We sit alone, no stimuli, nothing to do, and we feel like, this is awful. I don't, I don't want to just hang out with myself. Like, I don't want to do this. And, um, and I think that's what we, some of the things we have to overcome, God's distance and our distraction and just desire to not go there, to not go and be alone with our thoughts. And, um, and those are two, two kind of hurdles we need to kind of start overcoming and thinking about as we approach God in prayer. So prayer is a bit of a massive topic that easily confuses or intimidates or bores us. We've talked about that a little bit. I think there are some important questions to ask, though, to start that might help us go somewhere helpful on our way to prayer. I also think there are some bad questions to ask that would lead us nowhere. Questions like, what's the minimum amount of prayer I need to do? Uh, is prayer graded on a curve? Um, could I pray a lot in one chunk and then kind of be good for a while? Kind of like, you know, put some in the bank. Uh, prayer, isn't it just for mantises? Okay. Um, what's the way to pray to both impress and intimidate everyone around me? And no one got that I was doing a bit. And are prayers pretty much wishes, and is God pretty much a genie? That's the list of questions I think that would not be helpful <laughs> if you couldn't tell. And all those for, for Clarissa and Grant only who thought that was a little bit funny. Um, helpful starting questions, the real ones, and we can put these up, Drew, if you have them. Yep, okay. Helpful starting questions. How does God want us to think about him? How does God want us to think about him? How does God want us to talk to him? What does God tell us about prayer through Scripture? And then once we've talked about those three questions first, I think then the natural question to ask would be, so why should I want to pray? Um, I'll, we'll actually have these up one by one as I talk about them in a little bit, um, but these will be kind of the meat of our um, sermon today. I don't think these are one-time, one-answer questions. I think these are great questions to ask and investigate for yourself, re-ask to refresh and realign yourself when you need to. Does that make sense? 
last week uh, when Leslie started us on this, um, this kind of speaking to God portion of our sermon series, she introduced the Philippians 4, verse 5 um, uh, through 7 verse. And if you can put that one up next to you, Drew. This is what we're going to do. This is kind of what we're centering these two sermons around, Leslie's last week and, and mine this week. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, Leslie spent a good amount of time, she talked about a bunch of things, but um, really laying the foundation of God is already near. He's already near. I love that that is included here in this section where Paul's talking about prayer. He's starting with, the Lord is already near. So we're talking about feeling distant from God a moment ago. Um, this is an idea that the, the Bible, that Scripture, that Paul, that Jesus, that many different areas are trying to tell us, that's not true. God is not distant from us. He's already near. He's already come near. He has sent himself as a human. He has sent his spirit to be in us. He is already near. Um, and um, so let's start with this, this first question. How does God want us to think about him? If you put just that one up. So um, this one's going to be the one that I'm going to spend the least time on probably because um, I did a sermon accidentally, you know, about this idea, at least my take on this, about a month and a half ago. We're just talking about God wants us to think about him as our good father. He wants us to think about him as our good father and us as his children. That is an idea that he has put throughout scripture. It's, it's so many places. And um, I'm, not, I'm just not going to go deep on it because of that, but it's just all over. Like, here's a couple examples that I just pulled. You, Lord, are our father. Your name is our, our redeemer. How I long to make you my sons. That's God speaking when he says that. You are children of the Lord your God. And then the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. This idea of God being our Father is not like a one-time little thing or a a thing that just Jesus said because he's allowed to because he's God's son, you know. It's the way that God wants us to think about him. This is the way that God wants us to think about him. And I think the cool thing about this, there's many cool things, but just that this is a definition of our relationship with him, which is relationship. It's not another version of it. It's not like, you know, employer-employee. It's not like, you know, um, expert and like, you know, servant or something like that. Or it's not like, I don't know, uh, acquaintances. It's relational, but it's also that close relational. It's that love of a parent. It's that familial kind. It is not something that um, he wants something out of us or we're there to do a job and we get paid for it. That's not the kind of nature of this relationship that we have. And God goes to great lengths to try to make that clear to us. God is about relationship. And he's about that relationship as a father and children. And that is really, really cool. That's where we're starting off when we're talking about how does God want us to think about him as our father. So when we approach him in prayer, I think it's great that, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer starts with that. Our father. You know, if Jesus was just wanting it to be just some, a little title he had for God, I think he would have been like, when I pray, I, I pray my father, but you guys can, y'all can do a bunch of like other titles or whatever. No, he's like, he's really instructing us, the disciples and us, to pray that way to our father who's in heaven. God is about relationship. So how does God want us to talk to him? How does he want us to talk to him? And I think this is a somewhat short answer too. Here's my shortcut to it. I think the answer is often and honestly. How does God want us to talk to him? Often and honestly. I don't see a lot of other things that really try to be expressed in the Bible um, that are like really putting parameters around like, here's the only ways you can talk to God, but these seem to come up. 
But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Remember that Philippians verse. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation is another, a lot of uh, translations say that too. That just means be praying in every situation. It's not like only when you're feeling great and when you're in a great mood, great attitude, that kind of stuff. That is not the kind of parameters God's putting around us coming to him and communicating with him. He's just not doing that. Um, in everything, through prayer and petition, in everything, in every situation. And remember, he's the one who's already come near. He's involved himself in creation from the very beginning, came as a human, sent his spirit to dwell within us. And it's probably not controversial to say that he invented prayer. <laughs> he invented this thing that we get to do. He invented this idea that's talked about throughout scripture, that it's a way that he wanted it to be. It's not like, you know, we cracked the code, we figured it out. We got the frequencies and now we can talk to God. He invented prayer. This is what he wants us to talk to him through prayer. Um, what does God tell us about prayer through scripture? Also, I'm moving kind of fast, and I'm doing this on purpose because I just thought, let's keep everybody awake. Let's keep, them, keep it lively. Keep it going. Um, that doesn't mean this is going to be a short sermon, but I am going to go fast. Is that, is that a good trade-off? <laughs> Devin? Yeah, okay. Got the, got the thumbs up from Devin. So what does God tell us about prayer through Scripture? And there's plenty here. I just pulled a few things from Jesus himself, but there's a lot here, and I'll mention that again later. In Matthew 6, um, before the Lord's Prayer, he says this. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. And he goes on and then does the post prayer there too. But think about that. That's another mark in the camp of honest and often. Honest and often. It's not about the, the great words. It's not about the babbling. It's not about the loudness. It's not about having a, a really impressed audience. Our Father in secret, he wants to have a one-on-one hangout with us, you know? It's okay to pray as groups, obviously. But he is, he is making a clear distinction, which is such good news to the people who are hearing this at the time, who were people who weren't of status, who weren't the ones praying in front of crowds, who probably thought, maybe God's not listening to my prayers. You know, maybe God doesn't hear me because I don't have a, a podium or an audience or a, a microphone or something like that. And Jesus is telling me, that's not what you need. You just need to be honest. Go talk with God on your own, in your own way. It's not about the ma- amount of words. It's about the honesty and the frequency. That's such good news to us. Um, later, Jesus says um, this, this famous phrase you probably heard, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is telling us as well to ask. Ask. Ask for stuff. This is the only time he does that. He seems to think it matters. He seems to use this as part of his own prayer life too. And he is, you know, God's son. He is God and human. He thinks it matters. He's saying that the Father wants to know what we're asking. He wants to know what we want. He wants us to ask it. He wants to be sought out, seek him. He wants us to talk to him. And that's, that makes sense because that's relationship. I think sometimes we get weird about this. It's like, well, does God already know what I want? And blah, blah, blah. Is that how we ever talk about like our friends or our spouses or girlfriends or parents even? Do we like, well, they know what I want. You know, I'm not going to say anything. It just isn't how we treat any other human relationship. Why would we think that is the way prayer is? Just because God knows everything. 
in, in the scripture, he's saying, ask, seek, you know, knock, talk to me, um, tell me what you want, tell me what you need. He wants us to approach him. And the reason is because that's relationship. That's relationship. He doesn't just want this efficient, you know, sort of um, like, you know, send the bullet points to me in an email as short as possible. Got a lot to deal with, okay? I might could get to it or whatever. That's not what he's interested in. He wants relationship. Am I right? You are right. Thank you, Justin. Yes, there we go. He's got it, dude. He's got it. Um, so Jesus thought that was important. And then also, we get in Scripture the Lord's Prayer. We, this is given to us, not just the things that Jesus says about prayer, but a guide about how to pray. They ask him, Lord, how should we pray? And he tells us. And that's, it's just an amazing thing. This doesn't just happen all the time, okay? An amazing guide for prayer given straight to us from God himself. Here's how to pray. Um, and so one thing we've said a lot is like the Lord's Prayer, great, use, use it as it is, recite it as it is as you need to. Also use it as a sort of model. Follow it, say it in your own words. Both ways are great. You know, Jesus does not give a lot of like, here's some caveats, here's some asterisks, make sure you read the fine print, here's the only way this works. It's not, there's not a lot of that around this, okay? Lord's Prayer, you can just pray it. You don't know what to pray? Just pray the Lord's Prayer if you don't know what to pray. Or pray it in your own words. But we're given this amazing guide. It's such a good starting point. Um, and if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, let's just say it together really quickly, and you can join in. Our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. I almost didn't say that, but that's not in the actual scripture, but a lot of our traditions have, have said that. And from the church passed down for a long time, have added that as just a little epilogue to that prayer. But um, it's a great prayer, and it is hard to pray it. And, and for, at least for me, I think it's hard to pray it and think about the words that I'm saying and to feel nothing. You know, I feel there's a, a special feeling about asking God these things that are important, acknowledging his goodness, his father, him being my father, acknowledging that right from the beginning, asking for his will to be done and not mine. These things that are in that prayer, it's packed in there tightly, but it is a powerful prayer. And so I would recommend if you don't know what to pray, then you don't have to, to get fancier than the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to get fancier than saying the Lord's Prayer in your own language, in your own words. Um, it's a great place to start. Okay, so those are, we've done three of the four questions. Now, why should I want to pray? Now we've done that, why should I pray? And I think here's what I put for me, okay? I'm not trying to answer for you, but for me as I was thinking about these things and trying to kind of connect the dots on those questions. It's because God is a good father who wants a relationship with me. It's because he wants to hear what's going on and he wants me to tell him, he wants me to talk with him. He wants to hear what I want and what I need. Um, and he knows me more fully and deeply than anyone ever, and he still loves me and wants to talk with me. You know, most of us in our friendships, our relationships, there is a part of us that we're like, man, if people knew this about me or the things that I think, think or some of my past or whatever, they probably would not be as interested in being my friend or whatever. That's not God because he already knows all that stuff, and he wants that relationship with us. Um, I love this, there's this C.S. Lewis quote that's so good, just about this, the intimacy with God in prayer. He has infinite attention to spare for each one of us. 
He does not have to deal with us in mass. Remember, God is outside of time. He's big. He's creator of everything, and we cannot understand all of that. But um, you are as much alone with him as if you were the only being he had ever created. You're as much alone with him when you pray as if you were the only being he had ever created. Think about that. When we pray, we're not trying to, like, you know, get God's attention, tap him on the shoulder, hope that he gives, gives, a, uh, gives a break to talking to Manny so he can talk to me, or talking to Anthony or Courtney so he can talk to me. God gives, has this ability to be intimately attentive to each one of us, yeah. as if we're the only one there, patient. He doesn't have anywhere he's got to be, okay? <laughs> he's not a busy guy with a full schedule. He's got time for each one of us. Is that not crazy? Yeah. Why else should I want to pray? Um, the things I have on my mind and heart. Don't I want God involved in those things? Like, if he's asking for the honest things that are on my mind and my heart, and I'm not trying to just say things I want him to hear, but don't, no matter what they are, don't I want him involved in those things? Don't I want him to act? Or am I content trying to do it on my own? Whatever things are bothering me, whatever things I'm pumped about, whatever thing I'm stressed about, whatever thing I can't handle at the moment, whatever it is, do I really want to try to keep doing it on my own? Um, or do I want to involve him? And if I want to keep doing it on my own, how's it going for me? <laughs> how's that going? Trying to do it all on my own. Yeah. Don't I want him involved? Don't I want him to act? Don't I want him to change me and grow me and heal me and forgive me? Why wouldn't I ask? What's the harm? Why wouldn't I ask? Um, that's, that's, those are the questions there. And I want you to kind of be thinking about those. I'm going to, um, could you put the, just the four questions together up there one more time? I think these are a really helpful start for you and something to think about on your own as well. Um, do some research on your own. You know, what are the things, what verses do you find when you're looking for how, you know, God wants us to think about him, how he wants us to talk to him? what he says about prayer in scripture and then kind of coming up with okay well so why should i want to pray me personally why should i want to pray um have you noticed that there's two different kind of shared themes across this topic in the bible uh one thing that's always missing when we look at verses about prayer and relationship with god one thing that's always present the first thing that's missing there's no detailed under the hood description of exactly how prayer works we don't ever get that. It's like, well, yeah, no, it comes in, and we have this inbox here. We file it. We start sending the angels out. They start working on it as soon as they can get to it, and um, like a landlord work order ticket kind of thing. We don't get any sort of description about how prayer works um, under the hood, as if we could understand it in the first place, that would satisfy us. That's not there. That's not on God's agenda to try to explain it to us, okay? But all the verses share something important that's always there, which is telling us to pray, assuming we are praying, telling us to pray about everything in every situation, to ask, to seek, to pray constantly. That is like a thread through all of those things, right? Um, and that leads me to my real point, the one I was like, as I was messing with this stuff, I was like, no, this is, I think, the real thing. The real thing I want you to take home. Those questions are helpful, but it's this. Prayer is about practice, not theory. Prayer is about practice and not theory. More practice than theory. That's what we can take away from that. There doesn't seem to be this idea in Scripture that thinking about the idea of prayer will get us somewhere, just thinking about it, you know? 
It's the praying itself that seems to be the, the thing, that seems to do anything of note in Scripture. The praying itself seems to be what matters. Uh, it's not like before you pray, go into your room alone and think about prayer from all different angles. Make sure you really understand it, because, you know, and then you may proceed. Uh, it's not like, you know, rocket science brain surgery where you like, really mess something up. Because that would be probably something that Jesus would tell us if it was. He is trying to just get us in there and get us praying. That's, his, that's, his, that's on his agenda. Thinking about the idea of prayer won't get us anywhere. It's the praying itself that seems to do anything of note. Prayer is about practice and not theory. Uh, I've got, I think, two more quotes for you. Um, and I'm sorry, they're just, I kept finding some, and I was like, I could work, I could kind of think about it, I could trim these, but I was like, no, I don't care. They're, they're captive audience. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> they're going to have to listen to these. So this is a quote specifically about this idea of prayer being about practice, not theory, uh, by Tyler Staten. If you zone out every time you try to pray at home, pray while you're running errands or exercising or walking down the sidewalk. If you can't concentrate enough to pray aloud, journal prayers with paper and pen. If you can't pray with hope and faith, God's not bothered. He wants you to tell him about your doubt and disappointment. If you can't pray in phrases of praise and adoration, don't fake it. Pray your complaints, your anger, or your confusion. If you're more comfortable with cynicism than innocence, unsure about your motives, afraid of silence, afraid of an answer, or pretty confident that you aren't doing it right, you are in the perfect starting place. Pray as you can. And somewhere along the way, you'll make the most important discovery of your life, the love the Father has for you. That discovery is God's end of the deal. Your part is just to show up honestly. Show up and keep showing up. And that's the one non-negotiable when it comes to prayer. Doesn't that feel like it takes a lot of expectations and burdens off of us? We just have to show up. Show up honestly, frequently, honestly, often. God is the one who expresses his love to us. He's the one who's already come near, just waiting for us to talk to him. He is the one who does the, the changing. He's the one who involves himself. We just have to show up and be honest. And he's the one that changes us. He's the one that makes that time really special. But we just have to arrive. We get a pretty easy end of the deal, honestly. Um, Anthony Bloom, the, the trippy Orthodox guy that I talked about earlier, he has this, this other quote that this is like, kind of gets serious, but I think, it'll be, I think it'll be good. And I just thought about this one, it came to my mind when I was reading his other quote, because it just is about the way that prayer doing it changes us. The way that, this is one specific example. The French general, Maurice de Elbe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, during the Revolutionary Wars, his men captured some blues, blues, the other side, I'm assuming, and wanted to shoot them. The general unwillingly had to consent. It's wartime. The soldiers feel strongly about it. But he insisted that they should first read the Lord's Prayer aloud together, which they did. And when they came to the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us, they understood. They wept, and then they let the prisoners go. And then later on in 1794, General de Elbe himself was shot by the blues. This idea that, and this is like obviously at a scale that none of us are going to experience in that like 
or at least I hope not in that way. But this praying of, Lord, forgive those who trespass against us and forgive us our trespasses. Praying that does something to us um, if we come to God with even a little bit of honesty um, to where these guys in this situation, all in agreement, we can't do this thing. Um, and doing the, the act of praying changes us. It changes our hearts. Sometimes it can be that instant like that, right, right in the moment. Um, other times it can be a slow thing, you know. Um, but it won't happen if we don't do it. You know, I don't think we're going to find ourselves um, really changed by prayer by not praying. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, just, just something to think about there, if that helps you. Okay, now I want to give some practical tips and suggestions for you. Things that I think have helped me a lot and I think would really help you. So this is on the doing side, the first few. The Lord's Prayer, like I said earlier. Pray it this week. Pray it multiple times. Try writing it in your own words if, you, if it would help you. Um, I love just praying it in my own words, like really spontaneously sometimes. Other times I like to sit down and write down, you know. If I was to say, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, in my own words today, how would I write it? What would I say? And it, it really, it's really interesting. And I feel like it gets you out of your head and just into the praying. It gets you, gets you there. Um, honest talk with God is a, a phrase we've kind of used sometimes in our, in our community. Um, other times it's kind of called praying your emotions. Just doing the work of being okay with just telling God how you feel. He does know, but he tells us to tell him, you know. Tell him about what you're feeling. Lord, I'm feeling angry right now. Lord, I'm feeling so anxious I could just die. I could just crawl up in a ball and just stay there forever. Just tell him how you're feeling and ask him to move in your emotions. Sometimes we're, we're really worried about praying for God to do something out there, um, but we kind of miss the chance to also pray like, Lord, could you do something right here in here right now and these emotions right now? Could you take away this anxiety? Could you help me sort through it? Um, could you help me sort through this anger, this sadness? Um, whatever it is, pray your emotions. Try that this week. It's a little bit hard. I think what's funny is that a few of me and some friends that kind of um, were talking about this a few years ago, at least for dudes, I think it was like this like enlightening experience, like, wait a second. We can figure out what our emotions are, and then we can tell God what they are and pray about them and ask him to help us deal with them. It was like, And I think probably a lot of people, I'm like, I'm assuming a little bit much about dudes just being, you know, emotionally not there sometimes. But I, th I think that was part of what was our collective, like, awe. It was like, whoa, this is cool. We can do that. Um, we can just tell them our emotions. Pray that. Try that this week. Try it. Another practical thing, journaling prayers. I mentioned that a couple times already. But this, if you have a hard time, you don't want, like, just praying out loud alone. You get caught up in your thoughts when you're trying to pray, you know, sort of silently in your head or you don't have an inner monologue like my buddy Ryan, um, journal your thoughts. You guys should ask him about that, by the way. He loves talking about that. Just kidding. Um, sorry, Ryan. You can just journal your prayers. Try that. Why not? Try journaling your prayers. Write them down. Um, it's worth a shot. And then read slash pray the Psalms or any scripture, really. If, and I, that kind of applies to the Lord's Prayer, too. But you can go read the Psalms and pray them as your own prayers to God, too and just use them as prayer, not just as reading sort of information that's coming in. You can send those psalms 
words other people wrote in Scripture to God and pray them yourself as well. Um, and then on the, so those are the practical doing prayer things. Here are three things I think you could do that kind of would help you as you're thinking about prayer. But again, with the caveat that I think it's about practice, not theory. Um, you can ask yourself the questions that I mentioned. Investigate some stuff about prayer for yourself. Um, this is an addendum to the Psalms thing. Listen to Grant and Shayla's Psalms um, uh, sermons from last year. They're not too hard to find. I think you can just scroll a couple and see, you'll see Psalms. It's very simply titled. Um, those are so good. I've, I've gone back to those multiple times. And um, what God, the way God spoke through Grant and Shayla on those two sermons about the Psalms is amazing. You've got to go listen to those. Um, we also did a series about the Lord's Prayer last, last fall where each person just took one of the phrases of the Lord's Prayer and preached a sermon about it. Um, kind of sort of trying to um, disambiguate, what's a better word for that, um, dive deep on each little section of it. And several of those sermons are ones I've returned to as well. Um, so definitely go check that out. It's really, it'll, I think it would enrich your um, time while you're also practicing praying the Lord's Prayer. So um, those are the, the things, some homework, some things you can try. You don't got to try all of them, but try something. Yeah. It's about practice, not theory, okay? Try something. Um, and then I just want to kind of close with saying, like, what would it be like as a community if we really valued prayer? If we really valued it. Not like we're amazing at it. I'm not saying that. If we really valued it. What if we were praying all the prayers? We're missing out on praying. What if we were praying them instead of not praying them? What if we were really asking God, depending on Him, longing for His involvement in our everyday, asking for Him to change our hearts daily, asking for him to make us into the people he wants us to be and to do the work that he wants us to do. What would it be like? A group of people just like us, regular folks, praying, asking God to do that. What could he do? What would be different in each of our individual lives, in the lives of our community just as a whole, in our city and the places where we we are? If he's making us into the people he wants us to be, uh, aligning our hearts with his... um, I just kind of feel like the risk is almost in the not doing it, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't really want to know what it'd be like to, to just try it without that. I don't really want to know what it'd be like. It's just an experiment. What if I just don't pray and see how bad it gets? It's like, I don't, sorry, not, not interested. Yeah. Um, so I just want to think about that as a group. You know, there's a lot that, of work that we really are. So much of this is on our own. But the collective, um, if we were all as a group, not just even doing this, but encouraging each other, talking about prayer together, talking about what's going good, what's not going good. You know, we're here for each other, and I can guarantee you no one's going to be like totally um, oblivious to whatever prayer struggle you have going on. If you share something about what, what's kind of difficult for you about prayer, I would be very surprised if, if the person you're t- sharing that with in our community is like, I've never felt like that, ever. <laughs> I'm never bored by prayer. Um, if they say that, man, send them to me or Leslie. We will take them down a notch. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, we, I feel like one of the things that I love about our community is that when people are invulnerable, and I've felt this myself so many times, no one responds self-righteously to me about anything. Um, I have had people just empathize with me and almost always be like, man, I've been exactly there multiple times, or I am there right now, you know? So we can, we can use each other. We can use the fact that we are all in this thing together and we don't have to like all go into our separate little prayer closets and just hope everything's working out and never talk to each other. Right. Remember the, the axiom, move your feet and talk to each other. That can be applied here too really well. Um, okay, last thing, last quote, and then we'll do a, a song to, 
to kind of reflect. But um, this is a poem slash prayer. Um, the distinction is a little bit lost on me um, between the two that I, that I came across. And I know we we're talking about, you know, like our words don't need to be like nice and great and like um, the, the, the sweetest or the most well-written or whatever. Our prayers need to be honest. I actually, so, so pause that for a second because this is a poem and clearly somebody, uh, the person who wrote this, um, his name is Ted Loader. Clearly he put some work and thought into it. But I do feel like it really checks the honesty box and there aren't a lot of long words here and that kind of stuff. Um, and I just was really blessed by this poem and kept coming back to it. And I just think that one or two of you, um, at the very least, might be blessed by it as well. So I'm going to close with this as our, like, you know, uh, ending prayer. Holy One, there's something I wanted to tell you, but there have been errands to run, bills to pay, arrangements to make, meetings to attend, friends to entertain, washing to do, and I forget what it is I wanted to say to you. And mostly I forget what I'm about or why. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Eternal one, there's something I wanted to tell you, but my mind races with worrying and watching, with weighing and planning, with rutted slights and pothole grievances, with leaky dreams and leaky plumbing and leaky relationships that I keep trying to plug up and my attention is preoccupied with loneliness, with doubt, and with things I covet and forget what it is I want to say to you and how to say it honestly or how to do much of anything. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Almighty One, there's something I wanted to ask you, but I stumble along the edge of a nameless rage haunted by a hundred floating fears of war, of losing my job, of failing, of getting sick and old, having loved ones die, of dying. And I forget what it is the real question is that I wanted to ask. And I forget to listen anyway, because you seem unreal and far away. And I forget what it is I have forgotten. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Oh Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask is, forgive me. Heal me. Increase my courage, please. Renew in me a little of love and faith and a sense of confidence and a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real and I mattered and everyone was sister and brother. What I wanted to ask in my blundering way is don't give up on me. Don't become too sad about me. But laugh with me. Try again with me. And I will with you too. What I wanted to ask is for peace enough to want and work for more, for joy enough to share, and for awareness that is keen enough to sense your presence here, now, there, then, always. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.